Romans chapter 1, please. Romans chapter 1. Verses 16 and 17 say, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believes the Jew first and also to the Greek, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed. From faith to faith it is written, the just shall live by faith. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you today for who you are. We thank you that you are a great mighty God. We thank you that, Lord, in your wisdom and grace, you sent your Son to die upon the cross of Calvary so that we might have salvation. We thank you for the glorious message of the gospel. We thank you for the privilege of being able to come together to sit around your word, to hear the preaching of the word. And we do pray that today you would guide our time. Lord God, that as I take the word of God, you'd give me wisdom from on high. I might have that clarity of thought and be able to, with speech that is clear, present your word today. And may each of us then receive your word with thanksgiving. And may we receive from you the blessing you have for us today. And may your word speak to us and challenge us. And may we leave this place singing your praise. Thank you now, Father God, for the privilege of being together. Bless our time together in your word, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Some people may have been under the impression or may have said that Paul would be too embarrassed to go to Rome and preach because there he would be a laughingstock and there he was also in danger of being put to death. During the time of Paul, Rome was a great city. In fact, it was the greatest city in the known world. But Rome had a very dark underside, uh, particularly when it came to Christians, because the Roman Empire put Christians to death, accusing many of them of being cannibals because they talked about eating the body and drinking the blood of their founder. Some others were executed because they were called atheists. For in Rome, there was a beautiful temple called the Pantheon. And in this building, there was little shelves with alcoves on those shelves. And on each shelf, there was an icon, or in each of these alcoves, an icon or a statue representing all of the, uh, the uh, gods of Rome, the polytheism of the Roman Empire. There was a god for every day of the week. There was a god for every day of the month, every day of the year. Uh, there was a God for every holiday. There was a God for every vocation. You name it, there was a God for everything in the Roman pantheon. In addition, they had plenty of empty alcoves on these shelves. When the Christians came along, the Romans said, we have room for another God. You just bring your Jesus and put him on one of these shelves with all the other gods. But the true Christians in Rome could not do that, and they said Jesus is not one of many gods. Jesus is the only God. And so they were killed, they were put to death for being atheists. They didn't believe in the gods of the Romans. They only believed in the true and living God. And it's in this context 
this context of this Roman Empire that puts to death believers for some of the bizarrest reasons, it's in this context that Paul writes, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, here in verse 16. He says, I'm not ashamed to come to Rome and to preach the gospel. In fact, I'm not ashamed to preach the gospel throughout the Roman Empire. And here in Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, we learn three truths about the gospel we want to consider today. Let's be first of all the excitement about the gospel in verse 16. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it's the paragon of salvation to everyone that believeth, the Jew first and also to the Greek. Paul was so excited about the gospel message. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. This reveals to you and I the heart of the Apostle Paul in relationship to the gospel. He never got over the joy of being saved. You know, on that road to Damascus, when the Apostle Paul was confronted by the Lord Jesus Christ, and he believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, was gloriously saved, it changed Paul's life, and he never got over that experience. And when it came to the gospel that he believed and was saved because of the gospel, he then also wants to go forth and preach it. He's not ashamed of the gospel. Now, in a sophisticated city like Rome, some might be embarrassed by a gospel that's centered in a crucified Jewish savior. A savior who was embraced by the lowest classes of society. You know, when you're an unsaved Roman looking at this Jewish carpenter who the Jewish people wanted to follow, who they had put to death, remember it was the Jews who had him crucified, He's really not. So Jesus Christ, the eyes of the Roman society, is not up there in the highest standing of people to follow. He was looked upon as a traitor and looked upon as somebody who was worthy of death. And you would think that, uh, you know, uh, to actually uh, go forth and say you're not ashamed of the gospel, not ashamed of the Savior in such a circumstance would be rather bizarre and rather difficult to understand that people ought to be embarrassed by him but not the apostle paul you see paul was not ashamed of the gospel because he knew that the gospel centered in a crucified savior and a risen lord he knew that the gospel was centered in the fact that jesus christ died that you and i could be saved The gospel has power, the power to save sinners like you and me. The word gospel literally means good news. The Greek word from which we get the English word for gospel is the word euangelion. And we get our English word evangelism from it because of someone who goes forth to evangelize goes forth with the good news, the good message. And therefore, the gospel is the good news. It's the best news that man could ever hear. The best news that God himself had sent his son from heaven's glory. And there, Jesus Christ, the God-man, died upon the cross of Calvary, shed his precious blood so that sinners like you and I could be saved. That is good news. It's the best news that can be ever preached to men. No wonder the apostle Paul was not ashamed of the gospel. When Germany surrendered 
at the end of World War II, the people went out on the streets of their neighborhoods and their towns and they shouted, Germany has surrendered. That was good news. A few months later, when the Japanese surrendered, people again took to the streets and all the headlines said, good news, the war is over. And the gospel is in the same way good news. But more than that, it's the best news. It's liberating. It's life-giving news. It's something to crow about. It's something to talk about. It's something to proclaim. It's something to not be ashamed of. It's good news. The battle is over. The victory is won. Salvation is made available to all. That is good news. And therefore, the gospel is worth sharing. And that's why Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for he was going to share the good news with the people of Rome. You know, the sad thing is that bad news often travels faster than good news. Isn't it true? Gospel spreads like wildfire. You know, so there's some story out there, bad story out there. It just spreads like wildfire throughout the community. And if it's bad enough throughout the newspapers, throughout the world, gossip, it spreads like wildfire. So often the gospel is unheard of. Oh, that we would gossip the gospel. That you and I be quick to share the good news. And I wonder today, are we excited about the gospel? Are we sharing the good news with everybody that we give an opportunity to share it with? Are we excited about the gospel? We ought to be. You know, I'm sure there's not anybody here who doesn't like sharing good news. We do, don't we? You know, somebody finds out they're pregnant, they want everyone to know it. Somebody gets engaged, they want everyone to know it. Somebody uh, else does something that's uh, romantic, they want everyone to know it. You know, they want to share the good news. We all want to share good news. But the best news, the life-giving news, the most powerful news that you and I could ever share, the gospel of Jesus Christ, is so often not shared. You and I ought to be excited about it. You and I ought to be excited about sharing the gospel. Secondly, we see the effect of the gospel, not only the excitement of the gospel, but the effect of the gospel in verse 16. It says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, the Jew first and also to the Greek. Paul reveals here to you and I that the gospel is powerful. And he reveals to us that that power does not come from man, that power comes from God. It's the power of God unto salvation. You see, this good news that you and I have the privilege of sharing is not like other good news. This good news actually has the power to save. It has the power to change people's lives. It has the power to have an impact upon people for good. This good news, this best news, is powerful because it has the power of God behind it. Rome thought that it knew about all about power. 
Warren Wearsby says, power is the one thing that Rome boasted of the most. Greece might have its philosophy, but Rome had its power. In fact, it's true, you know, Rome was a powerful city. Rome was the centre of military power. It had the greatest army of the world based in Rome. And you all know about the Roman Empire and its Roman army, how they spread across the known world, all the way across to even to places like Great Britain and throughout all Europe. It was a mighty army. And the Roman army was, was noted for its prestige, its power, its fighting ability. Rome also was the center of governmental power. The Roman Senate was the pinnacle of human power in its day. There was no more powerful government than the Roman Senate. And there in Rome was where the Caesars dwelt, these Roman emperors. And on top of that, Rome was the center of cultural power. They dictated the culture of the known world. Roman culture permeated all the way from uh, Israel, right through Europe, right across to Great Britain. All that area was influenced by Roman culture. So they knew all about power. But what they didn't know was about the power of the gospel. The greatest power. The power that is more powerful than the Roman army, more powerful than the Roman government, more powerful than the Roman culture. The greatest power of all, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God under salvation. The gospel has great life-giving power. Therefore, I want to share it with Rome. The gospel is certainly good news. But you know, the gospel is more than information. It has power. Spiritual power. You know, most other bits of good news are just information, aren't they? You know, when someone tells you that they're pregnant, it's information. It doesn't change your life. It changed their life, but it hasn't changed our lives. It's good news. When uh, somebody tells you, you know, that they uh, have got some other good news, for the most part, that good news does not affect us. It's nice to hear it. It's nice to share it. But the impact really is on the individual where the good news started. The gospel's different. You see, the good news that changed my life is the same good news that changed your life. And if you don't know Jesus Christ, your Savior here today, is the same good news that can change your life. The gospel has spiritual power to change our lives from sinners to saints, from hell-bound sinners to heaven-bound saints. That is power. And so this good news is not just information, it is a message that has power to change lives for good. The word power here comes from the Greek word dynamis. We get the words dynamite and dynamo from it. You know, if somebody walked into the room today uh, with a lit stick of dynamite... I dare, if they came through those doors, I dare say those doors would be rather crowded as you and I exited the building. Because if somebody walks in here with a lit stick of dynamite, we know that that's explosive 
and it's dangerous. Well, that's the word that's used for the gospel. Because you see, the gospel is exciting. It's explosive. It has an impact. Anytime the gospel is shared, anytime the gospel is preached, something is going to happen. Why? Because the gospel is the power of God under salvation. You know, you and I need to understand there's power in the gospel. We sing about power in the blood, and that's true, but there's also power in the gospel. Now, know what it says? It says it's the power of God under salvation to everyone that believeth. Salvation to everyone that believeth. The gospel has the power to save everyone. Isn't that glorious? There is nobody that the gospel does not have the power to save. The gospel will save any sinner. God will save any sinner who believes the gospel and trusts in Jesus Christ. Paul wasn't ashamed of the gospel of Christ or the power to save everyone. Romans 10.13 says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Salvation is available to all who will believe. You know, some people today will say to us, let's not use the word saved. It's old-fashioned. It's religious. We shouldn't use the word saved. And I've had people tell me that. We shouldn't use the word saved. But it's a great biblical word, isn't it? Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for salvation to all who believe. You know, if someone was in a fire about to lose their life and a fireman reaches them and rescues them, they would say, I was saved. If someone's in a shipwreck and they're floating in the sea, and a lifeboat pulls alongside and they're pulled out of the water, they would say, say, I am saved. The Philippian jailer, when Paul and Silas were singing at midnight and there's an earthquake and the prison doors burst open and he jumped into the cell to see if the prison was still there, he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Jesus came to rescue you and I. He died that we might be saved. It's a great biblical word. This word salvation. This word saved. It may be old, but praise God, it's ever new. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He came into the world to save everybody. Sinners like you and sinners like me. He died upon the cross of Calvary. He was buried and rose again the third day so that you and I could be saved. Because it says here, the gospel is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth. And don't you just love those words, everyone, whosoever? Aren't they great words? Because that means everybody. Came to save us all. That's the gospel. It has power to save everybody. Now, just in case they didn't quite understand what he meant by everybody, the Apostle Paul then adds a phrase so that they're in no doubt who he's talking about. Verse 16. 
He says, for it's the power of God and salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also the Greek. He makes this distinction because you see in the first century, some people still thought that the gospel was Jews only. And the gospel may be delivered first to Jewish people, and it was there in Jerusalem. The first time the gospel was preached, it was preached to Jewish people. It's true, the gospel was delivered first to the Jews, but it also has power to save Gentiles. The good news is that the gospel has the power to save both Jew and Gentile. That means it has the power to save everyone in this room. That's the glorious truth. I don't think there's any Jews here today, so we're all the Gentiles. Aren't you glad that we're included? I am. I'm glad that the word of God makes it clear that Jesus Christ came to save sinners, and he didn't come just to save Jewish sinners. He came to save Jewish and Gentile sinners, that the gospel is the power of God and salvation to everyone that believeth. The only thing that stops people getting saved is that they don't believe. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The truth is that whosoever believes will be saved. The only thing that stops people getting saved is not the power of God, it's their failure to believe. Because God has the power to save all who will believe. Christ died to save all of us. For we have no power in ourselves. The gospel truly is the power of God to salvation. And that's the extent of the gospel. We ought to get excited about the gospel because the gospel is the power, has the power to save everyone. And then lastly, look at the explanation of the gospel. The explanation of the gospel. Verse 17. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Simply put, the gospel reveals the righteousness of God. Isn't that what he says? The red, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed. So the gospel, for therein, the therein refers back to what he's just been saying. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, but as the power of God uh, to to uh, save everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, also the Greek, and therein, in the gospel, is the rights of God revealed from faith to faith. This revelation of the gospel reveals to you and I God's righteousness that comes to those who have faith. In other words, we see God's righteousness evidenced in the lives of those that believe. When somebody places their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and they are saved, what is evident in their life is the work of God and the rights of God is revealed in them. It fulfills the prophecy of Habakkuk 2.4, which is, Recorded for us here in verse 17, the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. The just shall be made alive by faith. How do you get just before a holy God? 
How does an act of sinner become just before a holy God? You do it by faith, not by works. For by grace you're saved through faith. Not of works, the same man should boast. It's not of works, it's by faith. You and I are justified, you and I are declared righteous by faith. It's essential you and I understand exactly what the righteousness of God that is revealed by the gospel is here. It's not speaking about holy righteousness of God, that which the righteousness of God which condemns guilty sinners. And that is the truth. Everyone is declared a sinner. Isn't that what it says in Romans 3 and 3? For all have sinned that come short of the glory of God. We've fallen short of God's glory and therefore God in his righteousness condemns us to eternal punishment. But that's not the righteousness revealed here by the gospel. This is the God kind of righteousness that's given to a sinner who puts his trust in Christ, who places his faith in Christ. When you and I are saved, you and I are justified. And the word justified means to be declared righteous. Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. It says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We've been justified by faith. So the gospel of Christ has the power to save all those who believe. Everyone who places their faith and trust in Christ are saved. The just are made alive by faith. We are made just by believing in Jesus Christ. And having believed in him, we have been justified. We have been declared righteous. That's what he's talking about here. Righteous here means right standing before God. As God looks at you and I who have been justified by faith, you and I have been made alive by a faith in Jesus Christ. When God looks at you and I, he sees us standing in Christ's righteousness. We have been declared righteous. You and I were sinners. Now we're saints. You and I were destined for Christ's eternity. Now you and I are destined for glory. And when you and I stand on heaven's shore, we're standing there because we're standing in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You and I have imputed to us the righteousness of Christ. Imputed to our account. It's God's righteousness. And we stand in his righteousness because we have no rights of our own. In fact, all of our righteousnesses, according to Isaiah, are filthy rags. Everything you and I did before a holy God justified because we were declared righteous. But then when you and I live daily by faith, we demonstrate to all the outgoing, the outflowing of that righteousness in our lives. People see evidenced in us, in our walk of faith, the righteousness of God. They see what the gospel has done in their lives. It's the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth and everyone who is justified by faith and then lives by faith demonstrates the rights of God to all around about them because we've been gloriously saved. 
So not only as the just shall live by faith, means the just shall be made alive by faith, but it also means the just shall live daily by that same faith. Because the righteousness which you and I now have in Christ Jesus is still of him. And if you and I are going to display God's righteousness to an unsaved world, then you and I need to live by faith. You see, the rights of God is revealed from faith to faith. It's a reminder that justifying faith is the only beginning of the Christian life. We must also live by faith. In other words, we should not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul's saying. He's saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because the power of God is salvation to everyone that believes. Jew first and also the Greek. For therein, the reason I'm not ashamed of it is because therein is the rights of God revealed from faith to faith and the just shall live by faith. I am going to proclaim the gospel unashamedly because it's the only means by which unsaved man can be declared righteous by a holy God and that knowledge moves me to be unashamed of the gospel to preach it to all so that all might believe be declared righteous before a holy God you get the impression that Paul's a bit excited by this truth well he is in fact he's going to from here onwards he starts now to talk about mankind being unsaved and explains why they're unsaved so that then he can get to chapter 6 and start talking about the glorious gospel that saves. He's excited. He's not ashamed of the gospel. He wants to go to Rome, the center of the Roman power because he has something far more powerful than Rome. He's not ashamed. Praise God, we're justified by faith declared righteous by faith, now let's live by faith and not be ashamed of the gospel. You see, the world still needs Jesus Christ. And as believers, we should not be ashamed of the gospel, for it still is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth. It's still the power of God for those of us who are saved to empower us to live by faith. And we ought to walk by faith, seeking every opportunity to reach the lost with the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, we don't have to be great to be effective for Christ. We just have to live by faith. You know, we love to talk, don't we, you know, about great men of the old, like D.L. Moody, the great preacher in America. <coughs> D.L. Moody, if you haven't heard of him, I'm surprised. <coughs> because he is a well-known man of God. You know, and I wonder whether we don't sometimes think, boy, if we only had a deal Moody today, what a difference he would make. But you know what we forget about D.L. Moody is that he was never an ordained minister. He was never a pastor. He was just a shoe salesman who was born again. And he got so excited about the fact that he was born again that he never got over it. He just couldn't stop talking about it. And he went everywhere sharing the good news of the gospel. He was not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He became an evangelist, although he was never ordained. He was an uneducated, uncouth man. He 
was said of him that he murdered the Queen's English. In fact, in 1870, he went to London. He was speaking in front of a huge crowd of educated, sophisticated English people, and he started to dress with somewhat poor grammar. This is how he started the address. He said, don't never think that God don't love you, for he do. Some people were offended by his lack of correct grammar. At one of these meetings, a sophisticated, dignified English lady came up to Moody. She said, Mr. Moody, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. He hung his head and he said, ma'am, you're right. I am ashamed of myself, but I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Deal Moody shook two continents, America and Great Britain, for Jesus Christ, all because he was not ashamed of the gospel. He was a shoe salesman who never got over getting saved, and he just gossiped the gospel wherever he went, and thousands were saved. You don't have to be great to preach the gospel. You just have to be unashamed. Of the gospel, we ought to get excited and be unashamed for us. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. We ought to go forth in faith and live by faith, looking to the Lord for opportunities to proclaim the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Souls need to be saved, they need to hear the message. The gospel still has the power. Do you and I have the desire and the passion to tell people? about the Savior. Are we excited about the gospel? We ought to be. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you, Father, for the book of Romans, and we do thank you for Paul's passion about the gospel. The Father God, he was not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because of the power that the gospel has to save sinners and to indeed justify the unsaved to declare us righteous through faith in Jesus Christ we trust Father God that everybody today in this place has been justified by faith that they have believed the gospel they've placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and they know that their sins are forgiven and they're on their way to heaven Lord, if anybody here today who doesn't know you as their Savior, I do pray that, Lord, that the gospel would indeed work its power in the hearts and lives of those that they would be saved. And those of us who are saved, Father God, I pray that you would challenge us that we might be excited about the gospel, unashamed by its truth, that we might proclaim it to this lost and dying world. Bless those who close, we pray in Jesus' name. sing in closing hymn number 423 423